we have to remember this, that when we say taming the tongue, taming the tongue is just not, hey, I can't say any more cuss words. Because that's what we think of, don't we? I gotta tame my tongue. You know what, I I lose my ever-loving mind on I-95 on Friday night at 5 p.m. and I blow my witness. And so I gotta tame my tongue. Well, maybe that is the case, but also taming the tongue is this, that our tongue is under the control of the Holy Spirit now that we use it to spread the gospel. That's part of taming the tongue. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Fathers, we come before you. Our our hearts are in all of you today, that you're simply the God. There is no other. You create light. You form darkness. You, God, do all these things. And so we just stand in awe of you. We worship you. We praise you. And yet, Father, in the midst of all that, we know intellectually there's victory. But we live in these bodies of death that often we create the, uh, the mess that we're in. So often we uh, live in the, the prisons we live in because... We're self-inflicted so often. And so, God, I just pray, would you speak in this time as we open your word? God, I pray that we will be, yes, challenged, but I also pray we'll be encouraged. I pray we will be refreshed. I pray as we open the living, breathing word that regardless of what we're dealing with today, God, I pray that you would show us there's victory in Jesus that we can actually have the victory right now. And so, God, would you speak in such a way that, that there's clarity for my life, for all of our lives, God, that you would meet us right where we are, wherever the struggles are this morning. God, I pray that you would take your word. God, I pray you'd take your word and meet us right where we are. But, God, don't allow us to remain there. Meet us there. But don't allow us to remain there. Shape us, mold us, make us, grow us through a faithful obedience to you that makes it our aim to be well-pleasing all the days of our lives, to you and to you alone. So, Father, we just give this time to you. God, I pray that I would decrease while you increase. I pray we'd hear just from you that we'd be, again, in awestruck wonder of how awesome you are. And God, we will be quick to give you all the praise, give you all the glory. For worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb, Jesus, that went into that grave. But praise be to you, our great God and Savior, that on the third day, the grave could not hold the king. That he conquered sin, he conquered death, and the tomb is forever empty. There is victory in Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. We open your word together now. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Take that Bible and 
turn to James, James chapter three. We've made it through two chapters and we got three more to go. And today we're looking at this simple topic in James chapter three, this easy to overcome topic in James chapter three, verse one of taming the tongue. I know you guys got this one all buttoned up and I'm preaching to myself so you can listen in and maybe you can learn something. But uh, I know I got a lot to learn in this department because the tongue, there is power, there's life and there's death in this small vessel called the tongue. And so here in James chapter three, I'm going to be reading verses one through five as we're going to start a, a 12 verse study here over the next few weeks to unpack this. And before I read it, though, I've, I've been thinking a lot, and, and I don't advocate that you watch a lot of the news just because it's so negative, but you got to know what's going on, amen? And so you know this, unless you're living under a rock, we are at a crossroads in our country. We are at a spiritual crossroads in our country. Uh, there is no question that, that we are in a spiritual battle, like I believe, like never before. I believe the enemy who's come to kill, steal, and destroy is just wielding his fiery darts like never before. And I believe as God is sovereignly, don't miss that, sovereignly working out all of this for our good, for his glory, the bottom line is this though, we are in a spiritual crisis and we need to begin to be men and women and students and children of prayer. We must be men and women and students and children of the word. We must hunger and thirst for the Word. We must sit under the Word. We must submit to the Word because you and I know this, that it's the Word of God that will set us free. You and I know this, that it's the truth, Jesus Christ, that who the Son sets free is free what? It's free indeed. And you're free forevermore. We are at a spiritual crossroads in our country. And it's high time that the church across America rises up. It is high time we begin to live the gospel. I was thinking about that as I was thinking about this taming the tongue, which is such a challenge. And a few questions began to marinate in my mind. And I'll ask you the same questions that I asked myself. Number one, an answer honestly, you're in church, so don't lie. Are we too casual and cavalier in our verbal profession of faith in Jesus? Secondly, are we living for the temporal or are we living for the eternal? Are we living for the temporal? Or are we living for the eternal? There are two great exposers in my life and your life that will reveal which one we're living for. When you check my calendar and you look in my checkbook, you will know whether I'm living for the temporal or the eternal. Those are the two great exposers. I can put on a good game and a good show, but when you look at my calendar and you look at my checkbook, you will see very clearly, they don't lie. My calendar and my checkbook, they don't lie. You will see what's most important to me. And the gospel for every true believer in 2020, as we are at this crossroads, the gospel has to be the most important thing in your life. It has to be. We, we can no longer afford a Mickey Mouse around. This Humpty Dumpty version of Christianity, this Mr. Rogers version of Christianity has got to go. It is high time that we move forward, that we got a mission. Here's how you lead through a crisis. You lead through a crisis with clarity. And we are clear where we are headed. 
We are for the glory of God. We're going to be disciples that make disciples, and we are dialed in. Buckle up. We are dialed in. We are focused. We know exactly where we're going. And part of this, part of this nonsense we're in right now that you see going on all over our country is that loose lips sink ships. Amen? I mean, you're just watching it from every side going back and forth. The tongue being tamed is not remotely happening right now. There's blame to go around on every side. It's high time we get back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're reaping what we're sowing as an American church all across our country. Here's the good news. As long as we got breath and blood in the veins, that means we have an opportunity to repent and to correct the course where it needs to go. So here in James chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, And he hits us hard, doesn't he? Right out of the chute here. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. That's not physical brothers. That's church brethren, male, female there. For you know that we, don't miss that, we. There's a we. He's including himself. I love that. That we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Let me pause there for a moment. Who wants to be a teacher? Raise your hand. <laughs> exactly, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, hey, I want to teach, I want to teach, it's awesome, but man, right there, you kind of go, uh, okay, I don't know if I really want to do this, uh, stricter judgment, do I really want to get into this? Well, that's part of this. We want to know this on the front end, that we handle the Word of God like He would have us handle it. Here's verse 2, and then he says this phrase, I love this, for we all, who? All? Stumble what? In many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. Able also, now don't miss this, able also to bridle his whole body. Then he rolls into three and says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. That's the first illustration. Here's the second one. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are girded by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Hmm. Lastly, verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts, underline that, it boasts of great things. So here we are. So James has been in chapter 1, and if you look at James chapter 1, you could sum it up by this, perseverance. Don't lose heart. Count it all joy. Count it all joy when you're going through the struggles. Chapter 2, works, obedience. Don't just be a sayer, be an obeyer. And now we're in chapter 3, and he comes right out of this gate here, speaking to pastors, speaking to Sunday school teachers, we could even say, anyone that teaches the Word of God, primarily here to pastors. We see that in the language, but I believe we can expand this, that anyone that unpacks the Word of God, anyone that says, I'm going to open the Word of God, and I'm going to communicate, I'm going to say, I'm going to use my tongue, we will be judged more strictly, period. Now, knowing that's the truth, That should strike the fear in us, amen? Like that's been striking the fear in me as I've been expressing to you some of my challenges. 
and I've expressed to my family and I've apologized to my family for times that I have said things that are not God-honoring, to be blunt. Because that tongue, wow, it will do damage, won't it? I will be held accountable. I can't just get up here and preach a message and then not live the message. For you that are teaching, Sunday school teachers, same principle. We can't just teach a message and then not go live it. We are held accountable to this. And it's a glorious accountability, by the way, because isn't it good to walk in obedience to the Lord? I mean, it's a glorious accountability. It's not one of those where you go, hey, you know what, this is horrible. Well, if you want to live a double life, it is horrible. But if you want to walk in obedience, it's actually freeing. It's like teaching children. When you teach children, I don't know if you know this, but children crave security. They crave boundaries. We think that, hey, if we just let them bounce off the walls, that's going to please them. Actually, they're not being pleased. They want that security. I need the security. You need it as a teacher. You need it. I need it that we walk in truth and we're going to be judged with greater strictness. I love this phrase here when he says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with that greater strictness. Literally, when you, when you think about this, I mean, back in that Jewish culture, you got to remember, if you were called a rabbi, man, this was like pretty big stuff. Like literally, it took precedence like over your family. If there was an emergency in your family and you like knew the rabbi, you went and did what they wanted first before the emergency in your family. That's how backwards this thing was. So there is this teaching going on in that culture. And you have to remember, so James is talking to a Jewish audience. And in that Jewish audience, they come out of Judaism where there's all these rules and regulation. Rules, 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 rules. And when you're under a bunch of rules, 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 what do you do when you're no longer under rules, 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 rules? What do you do? Well, you partay, don't you? That's what you do. You're like, there's no more rules. Man, we're, we're going to go uh, sow the wild oats, so to speak, right? Well, well, that's kind of what they were doing. They're like, look, we're under this law, law, law. And now all of a sudden we're under grace as true believers in Christ. And they got confused. They're like, hey, wait a minute. Now that we're no longer under the law and all the rules, we can just say we got faith and not worry about any evidence of it. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like the American church, right? Just say you have faith and who cares if you have any evidence? And that's why James is so passionate. He's saying, look, you, you have to have obedience that's going to back up your profession. And one of the biggest stumbling blocks for preachers like me is my mouth. And I'll say one thing. And then I'll say something else that doesn't back up what I actually just said. He says, look, you guys, you Jewish people, here you are, and you're coming out of this, and you can just deduct from reasoning what was going on. Everything's just kind of off the rails back in this culture, and they're like, everyone's being a teacher. <laughs> you can just imagine the total chaos. That's why he says, not many of you. He's like, time out, time out, time out. He's like, not many of you. I've already told you, hey, count it all joy. I know you're going through this dispersion. I know it's difficult. I know there's trials. Hey, I'm going to come out of the gate after that and say, look, you got to obey God, have evidence. Oh, by the way, in the midst of this, you need to be very, very discerning who signs up and says, I really want to teach God's word. 
Because for those of us that do, we're going to be held accountable. That's why key number one, I want you to write this down in your notes, key number one. So here it is, key number one. All Christ followers will be held accountable. Comma, especially those who teach the word of God. So all of us, all Christ followers, if you're a true Christ follower, you will be held accountable. I will be held accountable. There's what's called the Bema Seat of Christ. It's the judgment seat of Christ. And praise Jesus for the true believer. We're going to be there. Uh, we're going to get judged not for salvation, but for the reward. And that's a whole other series of messages, which we'll get into at some point. But there will be a judgment. Matter of fact, you remember, so Solomon, the wisest of them all, he had it all, the wealth, he had the health, he had the prosperity, so to speak, right? And at the end of it, he's like, look, I've come to the conclusion on this. Here's what I've come to. I have everything you could want in life, everything you could want in life. And Solomon says, look, I've narrowed it down to two things that are going to bring you what you really need and desire. That's fear God and obey him. That's what he comes up with. The richest, the wisest, at the end of his life, he goes, I'm hanging my hat on these two things. Just fear God. And have you ever thought about that, what really fearing God means? I mean, when's the last time you really feared God? When's the last time that you just stood in awe? When's the last time that you said, wow, you're just amazing? When's the last time you said, oh, man, you're just not like this friend with benefits. No, here's the deal, man. You're my all in all. Like, you're everything I want in life. I'm just going to give you my life. I'm going to give you everything. Man, I want you to take my life and let it be. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I am just all in for you because I stand in awe of you. I stand in awe of the one that took my place. And what would happen in a, in a home or a church where you get a bunch of people that just stand in awe? For the true believer in the room today, do you think when you get to heaven... Like, do you think when, when you see Jesus for the first time, you're going to go, well, that's pretty cool. Wow, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. I mean, is that what we're going to do? Can you even begin to try to fathom what it's going to be like? When you see the king and all his glory? The one who said, look, I know everything you've done. And I still say, from the east is to the west, and you bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's now well with your soul. And we're really going to sit there and go, yeah, that's cool. Oh, I pray that it's just going to be the most amazing experience ever. When we see the king in all his glory and all his royalty, and all his splendor, and all his praise. Do we fear him? All Christ's followers will be held accountable, especially those who teach the word of God. That's why Proverbs, write it down as a supporting verse under key number one. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6 says this, Every word of God is pure or proves true. He is a shield Awesome. To those who take refuge in him. And now he says this, do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Do you see how important this is? That's why it's so refreshing to have the word. Amen. I was sitting with another brother at lunch and then another brother was at lunch here recently. And it was an amazing lunch because we looked down at the clock and for about an hour, 
all that I kept hearing out of this one brother's mouth was just Scripture. I mean, it was just Scripture after Scripture. It's just, this is what comes out of you when you pour it into you. And I mean, it was just like, I just sat there going, this is amazing. I haven't felt this refreshed in a long time. I mean, it was just Scripture. Just talking, every little conversation, oh yeah, Scripture, boom, 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 boom. That's the joy of Scripture, that when we talk, we're using our tongue, we are teaching. We have to remember this, that when we say taming the tongue, taming the tongue is just not, hey, I can't say any more cuss words. Because that's what we think of, don't we? Like I tame my tongue. You know what? I I lose my ever-loving mind on I-95 on Friday night at 5 p.m., and I blow my witness, and so I got tame my tongue. Well, maybe that is the case, but also taming the tongue is this, that our tongue is under the control of the Holy Spirit now that we use it to spread the gospel. That's part of taming the tongue. I was marinated on that thought, and it just drove me down into verse 2 that you'll see there in your Bible when he said this. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to what also bridle his whole body. Did you notice this? He said, we all. Who's excluded from we all? Nobody, right? We all stumble. Is anyone perfect in the room? I'm certainly not. Are you perfect? Of course not. None of us have this together, but prayerfully we're serving and submitting to the one who does, and his name is Jesus Christ. But we all stumble. We've got to realize that. We've got to admit it. It's hard, isn't it? I get this. It is so easy, isn't it, church? Just be honest. But who is it most easy to point out sin issues in? Who's it most easy? Well, everyone except me, right? Right? I mean, it's real easy, man. It's just easy to look around and go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who's the hardest to admit sin issues? Me, right? Pride, ego, blind spots spiritually, probably a combination of all the above. We all stumble in many ways. If there's anyone here today that says, look, I got this thing buttoned up. I don't have any issue with my tongue. Let me cut to the chase and be really, really direct. I encourage you to get up out of the service right this minute. Go down to John Tyler Community College, even though they're closed. Go down there and find the class, why lying is bad, and sign up immediately. I mean, like immediately. Because the reality is this, there is not one person on this planet who does not deal with this tongue that is filled with poison. And the moment we say, oh, I got this under control, here's the deal, we're in over our heads. We're in over our heads if we don't have the humility to say, you know what, I got a problem. I got an issue with this. And if you're like me, as I've been learning here recently towards especially my family, it wreaks great damage. That can cause great pain. That can go on for years. I have to repent. I got to humble myself and realize I do stumble and I need help. That's why key number two is so important. So key number two, here it is. Since we all stumble with sin, since we do, since we all stumble with sin, all will struggle with bridling the tongue. Here's a question for you. What if you and I critiqued 
our own sin like we critique everyone else's sin. Like, what would happen if I started critiquing my own sin like I critique your sin? Like, what would happen in that? Because the reality is what truly is in us comes out of us. Have you noticed that? Like, when we're under pressure, when we're going through a hard time, we're going through difficulty, what is in us will come out. What's in our hearts? What we've poured into our hearts? If it's the truth of God's word, like at that lunch, man, it's just going to come out and flow. It's going to bless. It's going to encourage. If we're not in God's word, we're always putting something in us to fill the void, to dull the pain. Whatever is in us will come out. Stumble. To trip. You could say he's tripping. To error. It really means this, to sin on an ongoing basis. Here's the deal. So let's pretend that everyone in the church house today has given their life to Christ. And that would be awesome. I pray that is the case, that it's real, it's true. You've given your life to Christ. Do you still sin? Well, we live in these bodies of death, don't we? We still struggle. We will not be glorified till we're in Christ's presence. And again, what a day that will be, amen? We talk about heaven a lot. I don't think we talk about it enough, though, about what it's going to be like. We mentioned it earlier on here in this message. But again, I've said it before, I am looking so forward to being out of this body of death. I am looking so forward to no longer the struggle to no longer the pain and the heartache of knowing the pain and heartache I've caused other people. Like when you begin to realize the pain that you've caused other people, that the pain I've caused other people, it begins to just open your eyes. I mean, it cuts. It cuts hard. But it's necessary. I need it in my life. You need it in your life. And one of the main ways we do this is through rationalized, excuse-making, respectable sins that are all created and enabled by the tongue. You are listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. As I began to just weave through all that, as the Lord was speaking to me, He He revealed a couple scriptures to me, and they're ones you've heard recently, so write them down, though. So James chapter 1. Interesting. So James 1.19. James 1.19, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be what? Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, there's a systematic theological, doctrinal process here that is more than just filler on a page, amen? That when you and I are slow to speak and we are first that quick to hear, what happens is as we're quick to hear, we will then be slow to speak and we'll be slow to anger. How many times have you and I got angry? I know I have. 
and I wasn't quick to hear. I can look back on it even right now and go, I wasn't quick to hear. Wasn't quick to hear. Thought I was right, had to be right, whatever it might have been, and boom, attack, right? That's what that tongue does. We, we attack. We, we go into attack mode. James says right there in chapter 1, verse 19, know this. In other words, he says this, listen up. He says, make a note, mission critical. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Then he says this, write this one down, James 1.26. So James 1.26, we've studied these before, but good refresher. If anyone thinks he is religious, so don't miss this. If anyone thinks he's religious, hey, I'm a good churchgoer and does not bridle his tongue, Uh uh-oh, but deceives his heart. This is getting deep, isn't it? This person's religion is what? Worthless. So let's just camp out on this for a minute, okay? Because I know how this works. I go to church, I was baptized, I, I teach, I preach, I'm a pastor, I'm a deacon, fill in the blank, blah, 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 right? And then right here in God's Word, if anyone thinks he's religious, hey man, I got it, I'm in, I'm in the club, got the fire insurance, but I do not bridle my tongue. I mean, just think through this for a moment. He didn't say, you know, go out and murder, does not rob banks, does not commit adultery. He says, does not bridle their tongue. Like, do you see how important this is? He does not bridle his tongue but he deceives his heart. See, when I don't bridle my tongue, I'm deceiving my heart. I'm walking in deceit. I've actually said that recently to my family. Hey, you know, I was living in this. I was walking here. I was deceived. Three of the hardest words to ever pronounce from your mouth. Humbling. As I told someone yesterday, humiliating. Humiliating. I was deceived. But in that process of humiliation, that's where the growth begins. That's where we get on the right track. How about Ecclesiastes 7.20? Write that one down. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Solomon again. Surely there's not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Surely there's not that one on earth that Hey, there they are, and well, they're professing this, and they're not really living for Jesus. Oh, yeah, surely there are, actually. Surely there are. Do you want to live in religion that's worthless? Do you want to have a profession that's worthless? Or do you want to make a difference? Do you want to count for eternity? Do you want to leave that legacy that says, you know, I, I want to move the needle, no matter, it may be very small in the scope of eternity, but I want to make a difference. If you're going to do that, if I'm going to do that, our tongues have to be under control. That's why in verses 3 and 4 there in your Bible, he gives two illustrations. He gives these two illustrations, and here's what he says. So verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will, the pilot, directs. I mean, think about this, church. So, so we have a horse, a large animal, typically, right? Any horse lovers in the room? A couple horse lovers, amen. 
horse lovers, typically big animals, right? Big, like, like really big. And then you have this little thing called a bit, right? And for you that have ridden a horse, you have this bit and you got the reins. And what happens is this bit controls, doesn't it? It steers. You think about these big ships. You know, he's not talking about a, a John boat or a rowboat. You know, he's talking about the love boat, right? I mean, these are big, big ships. These massive cruise liners. Some of you go on cruises. You love the midnight buffets, amen? Be honest, you're in church, be honest. You love the midnight buffets. Praise Jesus back there in the back, amen? And, and you, you love that. That's part of the cruising experience, right? That's why you cruise, right? Not to go on the ocean. You just go to eat at midnight. So here's the deal. So you're out cruising, and what happens? Well, you're on a big boat, and you look at it, and you go, how does this thing not sink? I mean, this thing is massive. Thousands of people, right? Huge. And yet, there's this rudder, which, yes, it is big to us, but in comparison to the ship, it's tiny, And this rudder directs where this massive, massive vessel goes. You have a horse that's large, and you got a bit. You have this gigantic ship and a small rudder. And then you have the human body. And you got this little thing that's buried behind teeth and lips, and it just kills and it steals and it destroys. It will guide us everywhere we go, doesn't it? And as I've been learning to the pain I've inflicted on my family, I've been learning that when I talk and my mouth is not under the control of the Holy Spirit, I will do great damage. Great damage. See, you got to understand this, that key number three is so important. And I want you to write it down. So here it is, key number three. We must embrace... That the tongue, though small, will control our lives one way or the other. Like, don't be deceived, church. We must embrace, like embrace it right now. Embrace it. Bring it close to you. Bring it close to me. That the tongue, though small, will control our lives one way or the other. Oh, it will lead us. It's going to guide us. Oh, it will. It's going to happen. That's why it's so important when you look up there in verses 3 and 4. You see a word there in verse 3. It says the word obey. We've been talking a lot about obedience, haven't we? It's one thing to have a profession of faith in Christ. It's a whole other deal to be an obeyer of Christ. When the proof's in the pudding, so to speak, right? That it's real. That you see it. Not perfect. We all struggle. By the way, again, so use me as a testimony in this, that as God is speaking to my heart and teaching me through humbling myself through this process of realizing how great my sin is against my family, here's what happens through that. That can be some of the most beautiful. Those can be some of the most beautiful, refreshing moments, even though they're painful right now even though they hurt so desperately right now. On the back end of that, have you ever thought about this? Where there's grace on the front end, there's grace on the back end. Have you ever thought about that? When there's grace on the front end, and now we walk through the sin and we deal with it, there's grace on the back end. 
That's how big our God is. That's the glory of the gospel. That's what makes it we have so glorious that people should be wanting, that we should be promoting and sharing, that, that on the front end of your troubles, there's grace, there's grace in the midst of your pain, and there's grace on the back end of your pain. Obey. What's that mean? Well, it means this in the Greek when you see that in, the, in verse 3. Just look at that in your Bible. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, it means to be persuaded to take action. It also means to comply with, but here's really the definition we need. When you see that word obey in Scripture, when Jesus says this in John 14, 15, if you love me, you keep my commandments, you will keep my commandments. When Jesus says in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I ask you to do? Here's what he's saying is, I want you to obey me. I want you to yield to me. Like when you yield, what happens? I mean, you're driving along, and you see that kind of funny-looking sign, upside-down triangle, right? Red and white, and, and you see it says yield. And typically, if you're a Christian, uh, you're going to like at least turn your head, amen? Hopefully you don't gun it. You know, that'd be kind of bad, right? If you do, take off your Enon Baptist bumper sticker. We don't want that on there. I mean, you, you yield, don't you? Jesus today, remember, it's not will He interrupt you. It's not will he interrupt you. The question is, when he interrupts you, will you obey him? He's going to interrupt you. Matter of fact, he's interrupting people right now in this room. He's interrupting me. Right now, you can think of in your life, he's interrupting you. He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your attention to bring you back to him. Because like in my life, it's easy. It's a slow fade, but it's easy just to drift, isn't it? You don't even realize you've been drifting. When you're working for Jesus, you're serving Jesus, boy, you're a pastor. And before you know it, you look up and go, I've drifted. He says, yield, obey. And then he uses the word guide there. Look at that also, guide. It means to direct, to lead, to turn, to control. So here it is, write down Proverbs under that key number three. Key number three, write it down, Proverbs 25, 28, under key number three. Here it is. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. I'm going to read that again. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. When he says a man, that applies to both male and female. So here's the deal. You know, back in that culture, the walls of the city were mission critical. If you did not have walls around your city, guess what happened to your city? Well, it was no longer a city, right? Amen. It was gone. That was the whole point of the walls. It was protection. You were able to fend off from all the armies around you. His illustration here is a man, a woman that does not have self-control is like this city that has no walls. In other words, this, if you and I do not have self-control in this issue of the tongue, we are like a city that's broken down, that's helpless, and that will be destroyed. That's how serious the tongue is. The complaining, the gossip, the slander, the backbiting, the divisiveness. And it seems so innocent, doesn't it? There is nothing innocent about a word spoken that is not honoring to God. And yet, do we monitor this? Do I monitor this? I must. I must let my words be few. 
Proverbs tells us this, that in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. We typically don't get into trouble because we said too little, amen? We're in trouble and like, man, I wish I would have talked a lot more. Well, of course we don't. Man, we're in a mess going, why couldn't I keep my mouth shut? This is what he's getting at. This is why James is saying, look, you have to be on your guard here. This is a rationalized, respectable sin that infiltrates believers, I believe, all over the world because it's so covert and it's just so acceptable, right? And again, a little gossip here, a little slander there, a little fudging the truth there, over here, exaggeration here. It's just, it's so acceptable in our culture. It's kind of what we do in our culture, don't we? It's kind of what we do. It cannot be tolerated. I can't tolerate in my life, and you can't tolerate it in your life as well. That's why the last verse, verse 5, really sums it up. And James just kind of swings for the fence when he says this. Verse 5, chapter 3. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts, there it is, of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. So you got the tongue, it's small, behind the teeth. Behind the lips, it takes a lot to get out of there, at least in thought it does. And what happens? It boasts. It boasts. Boy, it's grandiose, isn't it? I mean, think about this. We come out of the womb kicking and screaming for who? Me, right? Every one of us come out kicking and screaming. The me monster is on the scene, right? Me planet, me universe, here it is. Take care of me, feed me, right? And we do this all through our lives, and the tongue is the expression of the me monster. And that's why we use it for poison. You typically don't see someone, or even myself as the illustration, where we use poison towards someone because we're really caring for them. We say toxic things with great harm and intent because we're trying to hurt because we don't want to get hurt, right? So we go on the offensive. We strike first. And as we know, we're going to learn here in a moment that what's in our heart comes out. It boasts. Lofty speech, arrogance, pride, being egotistical, talking a big game, a lot of big fish stories. But it also means to agitate. It means to wound. It means to stir up. It means to provoke. Anyone grew up with brothers and sisters? Do you guys ever provoke your brothers and sisters? Let me needle that person. Let me agitate them. Let me stir them up. Let me watch the reaction. That's just wicked. And yet we do that even as adults if we don't even realize it, do we? I mean, we go to the races to watch the crashes, don't we? Don't we love to watch, if we're honest, other people crash in life as they go around the track of life? Because it makes us feel better, doesn't it? We've got to watch what we say. We've got to be on our guard. Why? Because here it is. The tongue, a small member, how great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. Every fire, every major fire you see on TV, California wildfires, hundreds of thousands of acres. And what happened? Well, one spark set it all off. 
Do you see, church, the damage that one spark, one careless word, one gossip, one slander, one divisive word. This is what someone said, and so I'm going to run like wildfire with this. Haven't checked out the facts. Now we're trying to clean out all the damage. The place is an absolute shambles. All because we couldn't control our tongue. It wields deadly poison. It kills families. It kills churches. It kills. And that's the deceitfulness of the tongue. I mean, think about it. This is the deceitfulness of the tongue. We don't always dump a can of gasoline on the fire. Often it's just a small bit of kindling, isn't it? It's not like we bring up a can of gasoline and gossip and go, let me just dump it on here. It's just enough. Just enough. And boy, the office is never the same again, is it? It's being destroyed, literally. And the enemy's just over in his corner going, this was way too easy. Like, this is actually kind of fun. We must be on our guard with the tongue. That's why key number four, key number four, here it is, our last key. We must embrace that the tongue has the power to reap great destruction. We must embrace, again, embrace it, bring it close. Embrace it. The tongue has the power to reap great destruction. If we play with fire, we will get what, church? Burned, right? That's part of this. I'm learning it right now. I played with some fire, and I'm getting burned. I'm paying the price, dealing with my sin. I encourage you to do the same thing. Look in that mirror today and go, okay, I'm going to do an inventory, not of the person around me, but I'm going to look in the mirror today. I'm going to face the woman. I'm going to face the man and go, God, I know it's ugly in there, but I know your grace is on the front end. I know your grace is on the back end, and your grace will get me through it. And watch what he's going to do now in your home. Watch what he does at your business, on your ball team. Watch what he does in your church as you get honest and open. Matthew, write it down under key number four, Matthew chapter 12. Just write it down, Matthew 12, 34 through 37. Let me read this to us because this really puts a bow on this whole message and thought. Matthew 12, 34 through 37. Here's Jesus speaking. So Jesus is speaking. Here's what he says. You brood of vipers, exclamation point. In case you're wondering, not a compliment. He's talking to the Pharisees, saying, look, uh, you guys are a bunch of wicked people, is what he's saying. And then he says this, as he asks a question, how can you speak good when you are evil? Hmm. Don't you love his directness? He didn't beat around the bush, did he? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what, church? Speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person... So we got a good person and an evil person. Out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Now he says these words in verse 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. That's not an amen moment. That's an uh-oh moment, right? That's like, okay, didn't know that was in the Bible. There it is. 37, for by your words... By your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Like, is anyone else going, wow, like this is serious business, that what we say comes out of our heart. I can come back later and say, I didn't mean that. 
But you know what? I did. Because it came out of my heart. Now, are there times where communication in humans gets misconstrued? We've been there, right? I might say something over here and good intent, no harm. It just got misconstrued. That's part of human communication. We get that correct and we go forward. But when there's a venom coming out, that's coming out of my heart. It's coming out of your heart. That's what's really in there. And yes, I understand. I get this. There's a lot of psychology behind that. There's a lot of pain that, that's that perhaps been suppressed for years. I, I get this. But the bottom line is this. When I say these things, when I'm slinging the daggers at you, I mean it. Because my heart's wicked. My heart is depraved. Your heart is wicked. Your heart is depraved. And the whole point of the gospel is to free us from that as we now live a sanctified life, not perfect, still in these bodies of death, still struggling, still like Paul. Anyone else do this besides me, like almost daily? Why do I do the things I don't want to do? But we're seeing growth prayerfully as we're stumbling forward, as we're becoming bit by bit, moment by moment, second by second, day by day, week by week, year by year, more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Question for you today. What's coming out of your heart? Like what truthfully is coming out of your heart? What's coming out of my heart? The thought of Mark 7, I think, really begins to put a nice touch on the takeaway and action step questions. Just write down Mark 7 as I read this and then give you those two elements. Mark 7, 20 through 23. Just listen closely to the Word of God here. This is the Word of God speaking here. Right here is Mark 7, 20 through 23. And He said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality. What's quite a list, isn't it? Envy, uh-oh, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. One commentator said it like this, what is in the well of the heart will come up through the bucket of the mouth. Isn't that good? That's good, isn't it? That's why that guy's a commentator, amen? I mean, what's in the well of the heart? Now, what's in my heart, I can suppress it, I can ignore it, I cannot deal with it, but at some point, it's going to come up through the bucket. It's going to come out. When I am under pressure, when you're under pressure, we get squeezed like that toothpaste. It's going to come out. So if the Word of God is being poured in us, that's why it's so important about the Word. People say, why are you so passionate about the Word? It's not like I'm just trying to take up all your time on a Sunday morning. Trust me. I know it's going to change you. It's what changes hearts. It's what changes families. It changes churches. And I believe, listen to me, it can change our country. Because we're in a spiritual crisis, a spiritual crossroads. We can't play anymore this game of go to church, play in church, can't do it. 
It's time that we move forward on mission with clarity. Glory to God. Be a disciple. Make disciples. Don't let anything detract nor deter. Man, we are dialed in and we're going to do it until we die. That's a legacy. That's going to change lives for all eternity. See, that's why the takeaway question is simply this. Takeaway question, pretty simple. Does my speech give glory to God? Does my... Does your speech give glory to God? All of our idols must be smashed. Not play around with them, not hang on to them, not keep them on the corner of the desk, put them in the back of the room. we got to start crushing our idols. Whatever right now that God is saying into your life, hey, this is an idol, take it down to the city incinerator and exterminate it we got to get this stuff out of our lives. I have to get this stuff out of my life. We will never experience revival as a church unless God becomes our everything. I mean, our everything. Like nothing else even matters. I mean, we just want God in His glory. That's all we want. That's all we want is you, God. And we get to that point, and we will be a warship for the glory of God. We will be a warship that warships for the glory of God. And people will start knocking on the door going, I don't know what's going on over there, but I know this, I want what you have. See, right now, when they watch me live, as I've been living, no wonder they're not knocking on my door wondering what I have. When I say one thing on Sunday and they'll go damage my family Monday through Saturday. I must repent. How about you? What does God want you to repent from today? What is He speaking to your life even right now? Because the action step is simply this. I will seek to use my tongue to build up others and to expand the kingdom of God. Just imagine if we all did that, all of us. Just, we're going we're to seek to build up others and to expand the kingdom of God. What if we did that? That's our new mission. See, the question is not, is there evidence in our lives that we know Jesus? That's not the question. The real question is, is there evidence in your life that Jesus knows you? If all I say is there's evidence in my life that I know Jesus, what if I'm lying? The real question is, is there evidence in your life that Jesus knows you? In those last days, remember? Man, we did miracles in your name. We cast out demons in your name. I was a pastor. I was a deacon. I was a Sunday school teacher. I watched the children. I brought one of those 16 green bean casseroles. Depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. Did you notice he didn't say, I don't know you? He says, I never knew you. I'm so fearful this all across America today. There's so many people that go, I know Jesus. I know him. Really? Does he know you is the real question. Because his sheep hear his voice. His sheep obey him. Does Jesus really know you is the question. That tongue will give evidence, won't it? That's why we have to awake. It's time, church, that we wake up. We wake up. It's time to awake my soul. Awake my soul and sing. It is time that we awake. Ephesians tells us in 5.14, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Oh, we say it all the time. 
the Lord bless you and He keep you and He make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. Do we understand what that even means? It's a great word in the Word. It's a great song we're all singing now. But do we know what this means? He's saying, awake. He's saying, arise up. It's high time. It's high time we begin to live the life that we claim in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Father, we come before you and we just lift up our, our sin to you. We come before you right now and just lift up our sin. The sin of the tongue. Every one of us has used the tongue to inflict pain on others. No excuses. We've just done it. So God, I pray that we would repent from that right now, that I would repent, that every person in the room would repent. Would you forgive us, God? Forgive us for rationalizing and justifying sinning with our tongues. Help them to be tamed. How can they be tamed, God? Well, it's self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It means we live in you. We submit to you that you truly are our Lord and Savior and Master. We can't expect people to live under self-control of the tongue when they truly haven't given their lives to Christ. It's a byproduct of being in Christ. So God, would you regenerate us that are not regenerated? God, give us truth right now. Give us truth. Not fables, not gimmicks, not games. Truth, substance. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.